and welcome to the Arsenal way. Back again with you guys after Arsenal's 1-0 win against Crystal Palace uh, in the second Premier League game of the brand new season. It's, you know, it's, I, I don't know what this is, Umar, but like if I go to Palace, you know, we don't win. I've, I've seen three nils, hmm. two draws. I've never been to Palace and seen us win. So clearly the rule is now if we play at Palace, I'm not Stay allowed to Stay away. That's the rule. That's why I'm here. Um, the, the Palace press box is very small. Uh, so Kyra is there uh, tonight representing. You can read the uh, the press conference, live blog, and uh, all the reactions to the game, as well as uh, the winners and losers and talking points tomorrow morning as well on the football.london website. So make sure that you do that. Um, but I'm here with Umar. How are you feeling, mate? You good, Joel? Yeah, I'm not bad. Um, yeah, like you've just touched on. It's always nice to get away from Selhurst Park with three points in the bag, but boy, there's a lot of um, things that we need to discuss because I'm not a happy man tonight. No? Why aren't you happy, mate? Why aren't you not happy? Ha- not, not, ha- not, not in terms of the performance or the players. The officiating in this year, the officiating in this country oh. is a joke. The best Goodness league in the me, world mate. with the worst officiating in the world. Yeah, well, I will. I think there's a balance to be had here. I will absolutely agree with you on the red card. It's laughable that that was a a yellow card. Like he doesn't tug the shirt. Let's let's talk about the yellow card first. The second yellow card for the red card, and then we'll go into some of the other things. He's just holding him like I feel like you you would hold anyone in that position. And are you clearly just feel something is like I'm just gonna go down, hmm. and maybe he knows it's Tommy Asu, and, and so he's like, if I can go down. Um, I'm going to get the call, but what I is it sillier or stupider, whichever way you want to use the word, that the red card is given or that VAR cannot intervene for a second yellow? What's stupider? <laughs> the second point, the second point, yeah. I, I didn't know that rule. Yeah, I was so not VAR aware of that rule. cannot intervene for a second yellow. They can for a straight red, they can't yeah. for a second yellow card. Yeah, until the commentators mentioned that point. I was like, wow, that makes it even worse. That makes yeah. it even worse. And they need to look at that because I don't know what it is. It's either incompetence, which probably is in terms of the referee. But the thing is, there's no consistency in these rules. Kai Havertz, he does the same foul a few minutes after and he doesn't get booked. Jordan Ayew, he does that foul 15 minutes before that uh, Tommy Yasu incident take, takes place. And I'm calling for it to be a red card because he's already done it. And the thing with that, yeah. that challenge on Saka, he's holding him. He's holding him for about five, six seconds, and then he brings him onto the floor. So if that's not a red card and you give Tommy Asus a red, I don't know. Like I said, the best league in the world with the worst officiating in the world. Like These referees, they're incompetent. And then you hear Howard Webb coming out and saying, oh, we need to be harsher on these managers. They shouldn't be talking back to these referees. Look, say, we're lucky that it didn't cost us tonight, yeah? But say, for example, if Crystal Palace ended up scoring the equaliser and we dropped two points from this, you think Miklata is going to be a happy man post-match on the touchline? He's not going to be happy. He's going to no, be aggrieved. So and the game can... completely swung in that it moment. Did. Like, it did. We were in full control. If you were betting on a team to score next, it was Arsenal. You know, we were, you know, the, yes, they were on the break. Your opponents, especially away from home, are always going to have opportunities to score. But it completely changed 
the entire complexion um, of things. And it was very, very frustrating to, you know, be in that position. Um, so the reason why I wanted to bring balance to, because also Thomas Partey, I think, is a bit lucky, a little bit lucky, because he puts himself into a position where his leg comes out. Yes, he pulls it away, but his leg comes out in that moment. And I feel as though if that's given, it's not overturned. Do you know what I mean? So in some ways, I'm very thankful that David Coots didn't give the penalty. I think that it's it's a real, real tight one. Yeah, I don't know. I think that was a penalty, though. Like, what no, you I don't mean? think it yeah. was. I know what I'm you mean, though. But that's, it's that's, not going to get overturned. Do you know exactly. what I mean? If, that's where we're at, though. That's where we're at. Yeah. Like, we're yeah. judging these small little incidents. And we're saying, look, if the referee doesn't um, call it as a foul, call it as a penalty, he's he's done a good job. But it shouldn't be like that. It should not be like that. And even when you go back to Tommy S's first offence, where he's reportedly time-wasting, Kai Havertz, it takes him, what, 15 seconds to take that throw in? Tommy Yasu, it takes him, what, eight seconds to take that throw in? And he gets booked. Yeah, it might be a bit um, silly from Tommy Yasu because... Yeah. The referee's got a bit impatient and he's fed up and he's thinking, look, I need to stamp this out. But again, it's harsh. It's very, very harsh. And this is not going to surprise me over the course of the season. Like I heard a few weeks ago that these referees have been a bit fed up of Mikel Arteta, his antics on the touchline. They want to try and stamp that out. Um, they're getting a bit irritated after his antics of last season when he's always on the touchline, moaning and shouting and screaming, whatever he's doing. Like... Say, for example, if Manchester City, the same incident happened with Manchester City. Yeah. I'll tell you for a fact, none of the players are getting sent off for that. Mm. None of the players are getting uh, mm. sent off mm. for that. So the fact that Tommy Yasu has picked up a red card, like, it's just, like, I have no words for it. Like, it's, it's incompetence. It's incompetence. And the, the, the irritating thing for me before we move on, I don't want to hear apologies after the game. Like, say if we drop points here, yeah, 100% yeah. you're hearing the uh, Premier League, the officiating, everyone coming out saying, oh, we, we apologise, um, that, that was not a red card, that was a mistake on our part, we'll drop the referee for the next week, David Coop won't be officiating in, in the next round of Premier League games. It does not matter. Does that give us two points back? No. What happened with Wolves the other day against Manchester United? Yeah. Yeah. And and uh, and the, red, uh, the penalty that... I hate saying it, but Man United should have got against Spurs. You know, the Romero exactly. handball. Yeah, so there's no consistency, bro. No consistency. Yeah. Uh, thankfully, and as I always kind of say, Arsenal needs to put themselves in a position in every game where the referee doesn't dictate the results. And thankfully, because we won, they didn't. Um, and Arsenal took that through uh, a penalty. But there were two massive chances ready in Ketty before Arsenal scored in the first half. The first one is brilliant. Like uh-huh. the spin, the turn, even the attempted shot, you know, at that tight angle, that position uh-huh. in that moment um, to get it very, very tight to score him was great. But then the second chance, you have to score. Yeah. Like, I don't know why he's chipping that. Yeah, I, I understand why he chipped it. I would have gone with the left foot, side foot. He's, it's a yeah, beautiful touch. I, I think that's the that's obviously the better option. Yeah. Um, but I understand why he went for the chip. And is it those moments where you know you're going to start seeing the the question marks come out? Because 
I thought, that, you know, he highlighted his technical ability in Ketia, the way in which he spun, the opportunities he created for himself, and of course, the winning of the penalty as well, which was really important and certainly not one to forget. Um, but it was kind of the the good and the bad of Nketiah in one game. Yeah, no, 100%. I think off the ball, I thought he he, he done very well because let's be honest, going away from home to Selhurst Park, it's not easy, especially for a night game uh, under the lights, 8pm kickoff. They make they make a hell of a noise um, over there, so it's always going to be difficult. Like we controlled large parts of the game. Um, obviously, Crystal Palace they have that um, style that they can hit you on the counter attack with the talent that they have in terms of Eze, uh, Jordan Ayew, etc. But for, for large parts, we were in control, um, and on another day we scored two three and the game's put to bed. But that's another part where I think this Arsenal team needs to get to that level where they're killing teams early. They're not giving them a sniff. They're not giving them an opportunity to come back into games. And I think that's the next cycle of this Mikel Arteta team. But in terms of Eddie and Katie's performance, I think the first opportunity, I think he does all the hard work. And I think you could forgive him for not putting the ball in the back of the net because yeah. I, I think it's difficult. Um, you liken it to Martinelli last season when he scored against Leicester. It was like a similar sort of chance. But Martinelli put that bit of curve into his shot and he scores away from home. I think the second chance, he has to put put the ball in the back of the net. We speak about it. Brilliant play from Declan Rice, who I thought was was fantastic. Best play on the park alongside Saliba. Um, and he should be putting the ball in the back of the net. But then you need to give him credit for his imagination with the penalty. Like, it's quick thinking. And you don't see many strikers do that often. Like, yeah, as a striker, he should be putting the ball in the back of the net. But off the ball, I thought he was fantastic. And you, you that's what you like about Eddie Nketiah. Um, away from home, you need the striker who's going to be running uh, in the channels, going to be causing a nuisance to, to defenders. But yeah, I think the next part of his game, he does have to add that ruthless streak. And I keep hearing the fact that people keep saying that Eddie Nketiah, he's a good finisher. But when you talk about his XG of last season... He wasn't hitting the heights when you when you do a bit of research, isn't it? Mm-hmm. So I think mm-hmm. there's still parts of his game. I think he does miss um, some big chances. But look, I thought I thought overall he had a good performance. Um, but yeah, if you're talking about finishing and putting the ball in the back of the net on another day, he should be scoring uh, one of those goals. Yeah, I think absolutely the second one should should be a goal. I don't think there's much debate about that. If I was, you know, I'm doing my winners and losers piece. I'm putting him in more in my winners list because. Obviously, he wins the penalty, which wins us the game. Really good thought, a movement. And I think it showcased some of the good things that, you know, he can do. But I'd like to see that. I'd like to see that finishing come through better. I, you know, he, he has to be credited with being a crucial part of the reason why we won today. Um, that's, that's important. I've got a good question from Griffin who says, uh, Umar, how'd you get so handsome, mate? Like, how'd you do it? It's the three points, bro. Kai Havertz, uh, tell me what he did this game. You know, the, it's, it's, it's weird with Kai Havertz. Mm. It's, it's, it's like it's me or the players at times, they don't have that confidence yet in terms of passing the ball to him or finding him. He picks up some good positions in like very good areas across yeah. the pitch, very good positions. But you're still seeing the likes of Declan Rice. When there's an opportunity to pass to him, they decide against it. They opt out of that. Martin Odegaard, and I think that's the next step. But yeah, it's, 
it's difficult. Look, I saw the uh, touch map, the heat map. It, it was not the greatest, but against Crystal Palace, Selhurst Park, it is always going to be tough. It is always going to be tough because while we had large parts of possession, while we were in control of the game, in terms of creating clear-cut chances, there was not that many, if, if we're being completely honest. And again, I'm not going to be... Um, starting an agenda now in terms of Kai Havertz. Um, like, again, people are going to be 50-50 with Kai Havertz, yeah? And I said it last week when we played against Nottingham Forest. I think it's going to take him time to adjust to Mikulata's system. Yep. Um, it's not going to take... It's not going to be, like, overnight. It's not going to be an overnight fix. It's a large amount of money that we paid Chelsea, and we need a quick fix as well. I, I, don't, I don't disagree with that. But... For a player that was playing as a number nine for Chelsea, that was playing as a wide forward for Chelsea, to now come in and play as a left-sided midfielder in a Mikel Arteta system, it's going to take time. It is going to take time. And as much as you want him to succeed and um, be at it instantly week in, week out, that's just not how football works, uh, I'm afraid. But look, I like the fact that he gets in good positions. I think, yeah. again, it's a confidence issue with Kai Havertz as well. Um, at times where there's an opportunity to play that quick pass or find his opponent, he seems like he's double-minded at times. Mm. Like he's, yeah. double-minded, yeah. Inventing terms now, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> like this, caught in he, two minds. That caught in meant. two minds, exactly. Yeah. Caught in two minds. Like Martin Odegaard, he's got a picture in his head. Like he knows what he's going to do even before the ball comes to him. Yeah. And again, you want Kai Havertz to be at that <laughs> same level, but yeah, I think let's just say it was. Um, Decent enough performance. Maybe maybe that's going to be over the top, but mm. <laughs> decent. Uh, Lucia says, why are you getting so pink? Because it's well hot in this room and I can't open the window. That's why. I... <laughs> it's if I open the window, all the bugs flying because i got the light on. Um, so I'm to deal with this ridiculous yeah, yeah. heat and this light on me now as well. Um, I, I saw a, a comment from earlier on that said, Rancy said, um, uh, Havertz is immense off the ball. And I agree with this. I think off the ball he is really good. Yeah, he is. You know, for the position that he plays. Problem is, Arsenal are a team that have, on average, about 70% plus possession. Hmm. So, you know, for 30%-ish, he's immense in what he does. Hmm. But when you're playing in an Arsenal team, I need you to be immense in possession. Yeah. And uh, this isn't me kind of undermining Havertz. This isn't me turning on Havertz. This isn't yeah, anything yeah, like yeah. that. It's just, I think in certain games, Arteta needs to be a bit savvy about when he uses Havertz. And 100%. I wouldn't have started him in this game. 100%. You know, if you'd have asked me from the start, based upon what I've seen, would have Leandro Trossard done more in that role today? Yeah, I think he probably would have done. Would maybe we have seen more if Rice, Rice and Partey had started in midfield and we've gone with, you know, uh, Gabriel uh, um, left centre-back and uh, and somebody else playing uh, and White going to right-back. And even if you want to still play Tommy Asu there, you can. You know, probably would have got more from from that team. I, I just feel as though there are games in which you we need to use Havertz, which I think are at home against sides like Nottingham Forest. I have no problem yeah. with that at all. You know, but I think there are times where we can get more. And I agree that Pini Wien says, but we won. This is right. But I want to go from, but we won to, but we absolutely smashed them. That's what I want to go to. Yeah. Like, and I want to win comfortably. You, you make know. a good point. The Man City didn't win comfortably, like on the school night. Like if you're not a football fan and you look at the scores all over the weekend and you see Man City beat Newcastle 1-0, you'd think to yourself, if you didn't watch that game, it was a close game. But if you mm -hmm. watch that game, Manchester City dominated that game. They yeah. dominate Newcastle United. And you want to be at that stage, isn't it? 
My least favourite cliche in football right now is the sign of a champion is a team that wins when they're not playing well. Because for me, that's not the cliche anymore. The sign of a champion is a team that puts away the majority of teams that they play by a significant margin and looks the better teams in almost all of the games that they play. And Arsenal need to get to that level. It's important to win when you're not yeah. playing well, but we shouldn't be in a position where we're not playing well. You know, someone someone made a good that. point. Someone made a good point, though, on Twitter after the game. Someone said, like, last season... We started well and we were winning games. We were playing some good football at the start of the season. But mm. in in in, the, in their opinion, we peaked a bit too early. But now they can yeah. see us winning games at the start of the season, not having the best of performances. Like Nottingham Forest for 45 minutes, it was a good performance. Crystal Palace, decent enough performance, but got the job done. But what you'd rather hope over the course of this season, Arsenal's best form, comes in the latter stages of the season if they want to win the Premier League title. As a fan, you'd rather get the wins on board over the la- over the first like 20 games or so, 18, 15, 20 games, get the wins on board, be close to Manchester City. Not necessarily saying be first in that moment of time, but be close to them. And when the latter stages of the season comes, when, when the trophy is up for grabs, Arsenal basically put the best performances in and go on to win the Premier League title. And I think it's yeah. a great point. It's a great point. Mm. And it's a great three points because, as they say, you know, the cliche that I do get on board with is that Palace is a very difficult place to go to and win. Yeah. And to be honest, had we not have gone down to 10 when I probably would have seen us getting the second goal, coming away with a 2-0 victory, having dominated the majority of the game. Yes, they had some chances. Uh, yes, Eduard should have absolutely scored. <laughs> like, that is a terrible, terrible miss from that position. Um, and... You know, I think it would have gone a very different way. Um, interesting that Trossard didn't actually get on, but I think that was more to do with, you know, the, the game state than anything else. Um, other individual performances, I thought William Saliba was brilliant. Yeah, I know he made that mistake, but the Rectified. recovery was world class. Like, I was, you know, heart in mouth moment because I was yeah, I very... Was a penalty, yeah, I was a penalty first Very concerned. Yeah. He is a force of nature, isn't he? Yeah, he's. Uh, I've run out of like words to describe William Saliba because he's he's just that good. Um, mm. He's so good. Like he's so young, but he leads the defense like he's at the peak of his game. Like he's thirty years old, thirty-one years old. He plays at that level where nothing really faces him. And you look at that challenge. It reminded me when he made that challenge on Mbappe um, when he was on loan at Marseille. Like brilliant challenge. Um, and yeah, he was fantastic, especially without. Um, his uh, first choice centre-back uh, partner in terms of Gabriel, which I'm sure we'll speak about. Yeah. Um, reports, I understand at this moment in time, and I did a little bit of digging prior to the game, is that, you know, and, and it has been the case, and it was kind of a, the message I got back was there's no there's no intention from Arsenal that they want to sell Gabriel. Um, there's been links today with, I think it's, is it Al Etifak? It's the Benzema team, that are looking at trying to sign Gabriel. Apparently, there was rumours that meetings had taken place. I've heard nothing of a sort. As far as I'm aware, I think Charles Watts said this as well. Mm-hmm. Gabriel's been at London Colney all day, um, so I don't know how on earth he you know, would have been, and then obviously to the game, I don't know how on earth they would have been able to s- squeeze a meeting in. <laughs> it doesn't make too much sense at all. Um, but these are the rumours. He's not starting. Should he be starting is the first question. And, and are you concerned? I know you, you may have yeah. let it slip to me before the game, but <laughs> you are a little concerned. <laughs> yeah, I, was, I, I told you, I messaged you before the game. I was a bit worried. 
Um, but yeah, it's, it's an interesting one because he started the Community Shield final against Manchester City and that's against uh, the best team that we are competing with this season. And the fact that he's not started against Nottingham Forest and now against Crystal Palace, it could be that Mikel Arteta wants to do something different against these uh, teams like who, who are not going to have a lot of the ball, who are not mm. going to pose much threat. And I think if Zinchenko was available, fully fit, 100%, and he started, maybe potentially Gabriel would have started. Then obviously mm. Zinchenko has that inverted left-back role. And that means that Thomas Partey is either on the bench or he starts further forward in midfield. But maybe they don't want to risk Zinchenko because, again, with Timber's injury, you just don't want to aggravate Zinchenko because he's coming back from an injury. So then Partey starts as that inverted right back. And then that means that Gabriel uh, has to uh, have a spot on the bench. But I like the fact that when he came on, he, he, it, there, was no, there was no doubt in my mind that he's going anywhere. I know I said to you before the game, I was a bit worried. But when he came on for the last 20, 25 minutes, he was on it. He was on it defensively. He, he was brilliant. Um, the celebrations when he was making tackles, fist pumping Ramsdale, William Saliba. I just love that energy. I think we're now at a stage where, what, there's like nine, ten days left until the window slams shut. We can't afford to sell Gabriel. We just cannot. Number no. one, because there's there's not many better left-sided centre-backs in Europe than Gabriel no. that can come in straight away and and uh, be part of this Arsenal team and be successful. Gabriel knows Mikarteta's system. And you need to remember that alongside William Saliba, in my opinion, when I look in and around Europe, these two are the best defensive partnerships in around Europe. Like, you put them up there as one of the best. And if you want to win a Premier League title, you have to have two defenders that enjoy playing alongside each other and number two, which are very good. And both these dads are. So again, Mikel Arteta spoke about it, the need for rotation, the need for being unpredictable, um, switching it up sometimes. And I'm hoping that's the case. But... Look, Saudi money talks, man. It talks. And like until you're in that position and someone gives you that money, you can't say no. You just can't. And I know some people have said no, but it like it's life-changing money, bro. Like it's generational wealth. Like you don't it's you're sorted. You're sorted for life. And sometimes people they think about that and they'll have to think about their future, they have to think about their family's future. But I think with the with how late it is until the window, it would have to be something big. I know Rafael Varane has been linked with the same club in, in the past few hours. So that could be one to watch. But in my opinion, we can't sell Gabriel. We spoke about it, that Arsenal's defence at the start of the window, we needed to strengthen. We needed mm. to strengthen. We've lost Timber mm. due to an unfortunate injury. And I know that's unfortunate, but we have to put that yeah. in, in, the, in the picture. And if we were to lose Gabriel as well, we're far weaker. We're far weaker. And then this cause that can Arsenal really win the Premier League title without Timber and without Gabriel? You'd probably argue and say, no, they can't. So, yeah, Gabriel has to stay. Yeah, 100%. Um, it's not acceptable to sell him. The only way it'd be acceptable is if A, Arsenal got a as good or better replacement, which I don't, as I agree with you, I don't see who that option is. And B, you're getting a ridiculous amount of money um from from somebody to to sell him so yeah for me um it's it's a no go uh, any any final thoughts uh, before we wrap up anything you think we've not 
covered enough chat box if you think we've uh, overlooked something i mean yeah i was gonna ask you a question to be fair what's what's your take on this like inverted formation like i I understood it the way it was played like against nottingham forest and to be fair Mm. i I understood it why mcclatter decided to go for it against palace as well because we had we had control for large parts of the game yeah. So you understand why Miklata has implemented this formation, but what's your take on it? Because I know a lot of people are still torn in the middle. If we're winning, mate, and we're dominating games, I I don't know what the question is. You know, mm. until until we lose, until we drop points, until we're out ousted, until we're not the dominant side, until we're not looking like we're going to win games, I I don't know why. I don't know where why to question it. Do you know what I mean? Like. Mm. I don't want to be too dismissive of the idea that, you know, we should be, you know, can we get more from this team? But I I, I absolutely understand why he's doing it. You know, having that extra midfielder in the defence, because he's not, I know, I think people get obsessed with lineups on paper, (laughs) you know, about where, you know, Pai isn't, he was playing right back in the last like 30 minutes of the game. Because we were pinned back and that was his role from like on paper. But when we started the game, you know, he is effectively another midfielder for us. Mm. He's basically playing him. The amount of times he dropped between White and, and Saliba was was so frequent. White was supporting Saka at times. Um, you know, I I just I don't think there is the need to really be too concerned about this inverted style. Mm. Um sometimes you don't have to understand the reasons behind everything. Sometimes it's just like we can just go along and say you know, this guy might know what he's doing, you know, Mr. Arteta, you know, because he's getting us points, he's taking us forwards. And uh, and while he's doing that, I haven't got all that much in terms of, you know, criticism for the system in itself. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there are question marks around the selection within the system, i.e. Havertz in this particular game. Um, but I think that whilst it works, it works. And so at that point, you have to say, until it doesn't work, you know, we don't really need to change. I think you can change players out. I think you can swap out Havertz for Smith Rowe or Trossard, or you can bring party into the middle and you can play Zinchenko and move the shift the defense over by one. You know, I, I think you can do that quite easily. And perhaps, you know, we will see that happen when Zinchenko comes into the team. You'd imagine with Tommy Ash suspended for the next game, the Zinchenko would come in unless he wants to use Kivior again. Um, but it would make sense to see. White and Sleeper and Gabriel return with Zinchenko at the back against Fulham. I think that's probably mm-hmm. what we will do. Let me throw a question back at you. Do you think the reason why we've gone more inverted on the right is because Declan Rice is more on the left? Yeah, probably. Mm. Probably. Yeah, uh, like it, it's it's a good point. It's a good point because it's interesting. Like, I don't mind it. I don't mind it myself. Like I know it's not the most sexy formations it's not the most creative and i know at times you want to see your team attack a bit more be a bit more fluid but when you're playing against teams like crystal palace nottingham forest brentford etc you're going to have large parts uh, of possession you're going to be in control and for most of the season arsenal will be in control for a lot of games and they need to make use of their chances and like in terms of what you just spoken about Thomas Party inverted in the right back position. Like, I know when you talk about it, he's like a right back when you look at on the lineups. But like you just spoke about it, for 70, 75 minutes, he was playing in midfield. He was playing in midfield. And again, 
we had a lot of control. Like for large parts of it, Crystal Palace, they didn't really trouble us. They didn't really trouble us. Like we were in, in cruise control for most of the game. But I think again, before we wrap up, that stems as well. From now what we have, we have a physical midfielder in terms of Deccan Rice. Again, he spoke about it a few weeks ago. He's not now starting to get up to that level week in, week out. He's getting stronger. And that engine, bro, his engine is phenomenal. He just doesn't stop running. And his position was a bit more reserved as well against Palace. It was that position where he's basically more defensive-minded, similar to his roles um, when he's playing for England and at West Ham. He, he does like to make those little darts in the box in the final third, but it's a bit more reserved. And again, that shows the versatility in his game. It's a different kind of game, but he can adjust his uh, performance to suit the team's needs. So, look, we're, we're in a good position. Um, you look how other teams have fared this season. A few clubs haven't even won a game. Like, and they've spent how much money in the transfer window? We've picked up two wins uh, out of two. We've got a favourable game coming up against Fulham, and we just keep going. This team is going to keep improving. The fact that we're talking about here, like... It's not the best performance, not the most sexier performance, yet we've won a game. That's a positive in itself, isn't it? Yeah, no, absolutely. And just to tackle this point as well, Cape Town says, I'm struggling to not be concerned. I don't understand why he's fixing something that's not broken. Pep something, you know, for me, like last season, we didn't win the title. We didn't beat City. Mm. We dropped points in too many games to be able to do that. And you have to evolve. Like you, if you want to win the title, if you want to go to the next level, which takes you from a team that nearly won the title, and even though I think that Saliba's absence was the main reason that we didn't, I still think you have to evolve and get better and improve. Then you still have to take things on forwards. And if you think back to the start of last season, Man City weren't playing with that Stones in that you know role that he was playing. It was Rico Lewis who was playing quite a lot of games, and Pep was experimenting a lot at the start of the season, and he won. But they still drop points against, I think it was Aston Villa away from home. Mm. Uh, I think they lost to Liverpool away. Mm. Um, you know, and we didn't play Man City in that first half. And I think actually the fact that we had to play them twice in the second half of the season favoured them more because they then reached their kind of their best form, if you like. They worked out all of the, the trickiness that they had at the beginning of the season. They were much more fine-tuned. They'd learned what this new system was for that season. And I think we're very much in that state of play now. We're still learning. You know, Rice is still learning. Havertz is still learning. Partey's learning this new position and role. The team's learning this new system that Arteta's trying to broke. And you have to evolve as a club. You have to move to that next level. So... It's not a case of fixing someone that's not broken because something can easily become broken if you don't maintain it. You know, if if, if you're persistent you know, with the same, yeah, it's true. Exactly. If you persist with the same thing, you know, there is going to start to be cracks shown. So instead of sitting on what you know is good, improve it. You know, instead of sitting on what you know is already done well, you need to make sure that you can, you know, that you've maintained it, that you've tried to improve it as best you can, so that when a bigger challenge comes along that undermines what was previously you know a pretty sound system that you're actually better prepared for that so we're not going to see those immediate benefits it's going to take some time and if you look at the start of man city's season last year which people quickly forget mm. you'll kind of start to understand why you mm. start to change things at the beginning and this is the time to do it you know when we've got this time at the beginning of the season and we're getting up and we're coming up against teams that you know you'd expect us to beat yeah but maybe we're making it a bit harder on ourselves than we maybe you would do if we just carried on doing what we did last season. You can't stay the same. If you stay where you are, 
you know if you stay where you're on a conveyor belt you're going to go backwards you know you need to move um and that's the way forwards even change um, the penalty taker <laughs> Yeah, I like that, to be honest. Yeah, no, so I, I, you know, I don't think that's because he didn't have any faith in, in Saka. I think this is a tactic. I think this is a keep them guessing, you know, who's mm. going to take the pens. I, would be, I wouldn't be surprised if Saka or Rice or Havertz or someone else takes the next penalty. Keep mm. them guessing, you know. So I have no issue with that at all. Yeah, same. Um, Umar, thank you for your time, mate, as always. Thank you, bro. Much appreciated. And yeah, enjoy the, enjoy the win, folks. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, thank you, Chatbox, for joining us. Uh, thank you for having us reach 91K. We're less than 9,000 away from that magic, magic number. So keep helping us, keep supporting us on our way to 100,000 subscribers. We'll be back tomorrow morning uh, at 10 a.m. with another morning show for you. Are you going to be with us or is it Charlie? I think I'm off tomorrow. Oh, it's going to be Charlie there. Myself and Charlie yeah. will be back. Charlie's not been on for a while. It'll be good to see him. Um, so I look forward to that tomorrow morning. Have a fantastic evening, day, wherever you happen to be in the world. And uh, yeah, we'll see you again very soon. Have a good one. And as always, keep following us down the Arsenal way.